You're listening to Leafs Lunch with Julia Tusheri and Michael DeStefano on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Feel it coming in the air. Yeah. And there's screams from everywhere. Yeah. I'm addicted to the thrill. I'm ready. It's a dangerous Stop. love affair. Come on. Can't be scared when it goes down. Got a problem, tell me Stop. now. Only thing that's on my mind is who's on this town Welcome in. Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. Happy Friday, everyone. Julia Tashari and Mike DiStefano with you. We're going to be joined by P.K. Subban in just a moment. A.B. Leafs versus Columbus tonight in Columbus on the road and then a back-to-back tomorrow night. But, yeah, we're going to start with P.K. Subban, who was, to me, one of the highlights of the All-Star game. Just, like, the most entertaining dude there. Look, we've talked a lot about how the NHL needs to get themselves a personality in the game. And there was no one who was more energetic and more enigmatic and and, and a personality than P.K. Subban. So it was always well known that when this guy hangs it up and when his career is over, he's got to go into media and he's got to make... He's got to like make hockey fun for people. And yeah. I feel like he's done a really good job at that at ESPN. Totally. We're also going to have Chris Johnston on a little closer to 12:20. Luca Celebre will join us. He's in Arizona right now at the Super Bowl. You'll notice that and we I'm came so in jealous. with some re- Oh god, I know. It's big so week jealous. in Phoenix right now. I'll say this though, from everything that I've heard out in Phoenix, basically the exact same weather as they're having right now. It, like here in Toronto, where it's like seven and balmy, similar things going down in Phoenix. Where I guess there was like a frost warning or something the other day. Like I had no little, idea. Yeah, it's not as Paris looks kind of cold in the parking lot though. Uh, it's, there, yeah, apparently it's not as toasty as as they would have expected to see in Phoenix, Arizona. But uh, I'm sure they're still stoked to be down there. At least they get to play golf. But you mentioned it; they get the waste management down yeah, there. Yeah, I saw them teeing it. That's an outrageous tournament that they got. The, the Kevin Durant got traded to. to Phoenix, yeah. and then obviously the big, uh, the King Daddy Topper, they got the Super Bowl, which is the biggest event of the year, so yeah, being in Phoenix right now, I- I'm super jealous of Luca. so can't wait to, to dig into all that stuff and see what he's been up to this week. Super jealous of Super Bowl Luca. you'll mm. notice that we came in with a little re-re, and we will be bumping that all show long, she's going to be the halftime show at the Super Bowl, and on it, I was telling you before, AB, yeah. every single one of her songs is a radio hit. Oh, it's a bang. Banger Every single banger one, banger. like, and she hasn't released a ton in a long time. So mm-hmm. when I was going through the prop bets as to what she's going to start with at the Super Bowl, I was like blown away by the amount of songs. I was remembering she had it, and I know every word to all of them without I, realizing that I do. So I've seen Rihanna twice live. Like I'm, what? I am a I had Riri no idea. Gal, like. Riri gal? Riri over Tay Tay. Like, there's all no day. need to pit two strong women against one another in this moment. Yes, there is. But tell me where you one's saw her. better than the other. <laughs> where did you see her? In Connecticut. Uh, I think actually they were both in Connecticut, now that I think about it. Really? Yeah, there's a casino down there. My family used to vacation, and we, a couple times, would he, she'd be playing on like a Saturday night, so we'd go down there for the weekend. Okay. Big Riri fan. Fun. Well, speaking of Connecticut, a guy who spends a lot of time there now in Bristol is on the phone, P.K. Subban. How's it going this morning, P.K.? Oh, it's going well. I just finished sculpting my guns in the gym, so I'm ready to attack today, <laughs> the last day of the week here. I like it. I like it. you got to start early on a Friday. Are you a Riri guy, P.K.? you excited for the Super Am Bowl? Am I a Riri guy, as in Rihanna? Yes, sir. 
Um, you know what? I'm, I'm, I like Rihanna. I like the, the fact that, uh, you know, she's kind of, I feel like she's stayed true to herself in terms of her culture, which I love, where she's from. Mm-hmm. And uh, she kind of beats to her own drum, which I like as well. You know, when you get to that level of fame and success, um, you know, and she's, she's I'm happy to see now she's, you know, starting a family, settling down, and she's she's just been amazing throughout her career. So I think it's a well-deserved opportunity. I can't wait to watch her. Yeah, she's going to be fantastic, and I, I always love the Super Bowl. It's one of my favorite weekends uh, of the year, and I'm curious what it was like in the NHL when it comes to Super Bowl parties with the boys. Like, was it always a big event? Did you get together with the team? Was it, you know, all-out beers, wings? You got square games going on, all that jazz? What was it like, uh, you know, the Super Bowl weekend with uh, with your NHL compadres? You know what? As a kid growing up, there were always these big weekends and big events. Like for me, when I was younger, it was always the FIFA World Cup, right? And whenever FIFA World Cup would come on, it always seemed like I had power skating or something that I had to do geared towards hockey, and I never got to watch it. So I learned at a young age that I had to be focused on what I had to do. Now that, like, you know, I have a little bit more time on my hands, it's the same thing. It's like, you know, very rarely have we been able to kind of watch the Super Bowl, depending on where we are. But um, I wanted to actually go to the Super Bowl this year. Um, but because of the game that I'm doing in Nashville, I couldn't go on Monday. So hopefully I get a chance to go next year. But now I watch it. I, I don't want to miss it. Every year it seems like there's there's always funny commercials and storylines behind it. And um, the performance last year was just unbelievable. You know what I mean? When you yeah. think yeah. about the Super Bowl performance last year, so I don't want to miss it this year. I'll be watching. Yeah, when Fifty dropped from the ceiling, there is oh a little hidden gosh. surprise. Like my ten-year-old me yeah. was was I was insane at that point. I was like, oh my god, it's yeah. Fifty. Loved it. Uh, it's PK Subin on the phone right now, and and you mentioned there PK when you were a kid growing up in Toronto, and and we're where it all started for you right now. You partnered with Craft Hockeyville. Can you tell us a little bit about why this initiative is important to you, and also maybe a little bit about your hockey community growing up in Toronto? Yeah, just you know what, partnering with Craft Hockeyville is specifically to help grow the game in our communities and continue to grow it. You know, hockey's our our national sport, and it's something that I'm passionate about. Obviously, I'm passionate about the game and what it's been able to do to me, and we want to share those stories, you know, for people that, you know, come to Canada and, you know, and raise a family. We want them to look at hockey as an opportunity for their kids to not just play in the NHL, but but learn and develop social skills because, you know, that was the biggest thing that I took from the game was just connecting with so many different people from so many different backgrounds and, you know, I think I owe a lot to that locker room and playing the game of hockey. So, you know, wanting to continue to spread that across Canada and through different communities. And I think that this partnership with Craft Hockey Bill does that. Um, you know, and whenever you can attach, you know, uh, financial stability and financial support to a program that's really, you know, uh, promoting inclusiveness and diversity and getting people to support their communities and make a difference in their communities, not just through whether it's getting funding for an arena, um, for their local arena, but also just like connecting with people in their community, bringing the community together. I think that's really, really important. And that's something uh, that's always been important to me. So when you think about a grand prize of $250,000 in arena upgrades, that's a lot of money for a small community across Canada. That's a lot of money for any community, really. So uh, I'm in full support with this. And when the opportunity uh, was presented to me, it was a no-brainer. 
I think that we're both kind of parallel in terms of being aligned. Yeah, such a great initiative, and it got me kind of thinking about minor hockey and minor hockey memories. We know how much hockey is part of, of the fabric right. in this community here in Toronto. PK, do you have a minor hockey game that stands out in your head, like one game where you just popped off for eight or nine points or, or one where you won a championship? Right. What minor hockey game stands out to you? I, I, uh, I um, you know what? I, I've had a few. I think that probably my best minor hockey Actually, no. You know what? I got to talk about this one. When I was about <laughs> eight years old, um, I had been traded, believe it or not. I had been <laughs> traded from uh, the, the, the Red Wings, the Toronto Red Wings. I just, I, you know, I, I remember this. Only my, in the GTHL. My... <laughs> Can you trade an eight-year-old? <laughs> hold, hold on, guys. W- one second. All right. Yeah, you... so, so I had been traded... At about eight years old, I was traded from the Toronto Red Wings to the Mississauga Reps. It just, you know, I think it was a situation where they just there was players on the Reps that wanted to come and be at the Red Wings, and um, you know the way the GTHL is. There's a ton of politics. And oh yeah, <laughs> that's so funny. Deal with a lot in my minor hockey career. So, you know, uh, I remember this. You know, I just wanted to kind of go out and play. Like, you know, my parents, guys. They never, like, we didn't, we didn't talk about, we watched the NHL on TV, but, like, that wasn't like, that wasn't like my parents were like, oh, you're training to play in the NHL. Like, it was never like that for me. Right. It was like, oh, you know what? PK's enjoying it. He's having fun. And I just happened to be good at it, you know? <laughs> so, you know, there was tons of jealousy anyway. So I get traded from the Red Wings to the refs. And I remember the first game that I played against them, because I was, I was probably the best player in my age group at eight years old. You know, I was one of the only kids that could, you know, raise a slap shot. Like, I could hit the crossbar from the red line at, like, eight years old with my slap shot. So I remember we're playing at Chesswood Arena, and I'll never forget. Great barn, rink, too. Uh, it was in rink three. It was in rink three. I'll never forget. And uh, I, I feel like the whole city of Toronto – came out to watch this game. And it was, the arena was packed. And you know the way the GTHL is. You know, once every once in a while for a big game when there's good players playing or highly touted players, you know, the whole city will come out to watch the game and everybody wants to see it. So this was a big game because it was just so controversial, me leaving the team and so on and so forth. So my, my minor hockey coach was Martin Ross, who goes by Chico. He still coaches now. In the GTHL, he runs the Toronto Toronto Professional Hockey School. So I remember when I was a kid going to school, you had Daryl Sittler, all the Leafs come by, Nick Kiprios, all of them come by. So Johnny Bauer, God bless him, Johnny Bauer used to come by. So he's coaching the team, and before the game, we're in the room. Remember, I'm playing for the reps. We're like the last place team in the league. So I just went from one of the top teams in Toronto Red Wings to one of the last place teams. And he goes, PK, it's your old team. I got to see what you got for us. Anyway, long story short, the whole Toronto's in there watching. I go out and I think I get four goals and an assist. Nice. We beat them five nothing, five nothing, and I think I scored a goal every single way, like you know, backhand, snapshot, coast to coast. You know, it was it was uh, that was probably my best minor hockey performance, and it was just that was like the first time there was that much pressure. Like the, the whole city of, was there. Like everybody in the hockey world was there to watch. And uh, yeah, I put on a show. 
So I don't know if that's where it started for me. That's, <laughs> that's amazing. Incredible. Imagine that. Eight years old. There's trades involved. <laughs> Back money, stuff. money on the board against your former team at eight years old. PK was destined five to be nothing. five nothing. Five Five nothing points, uh, you know, five points in a five nothing win. Unreal. That's that's a great story. Really good one. We're chatting with PK Subban, former NHLer and uh, ESPN hockey analyst. You're also down at the All Star break this past uh, this past weekend. And look, I, I gotta be honest. I, I was expecting Mitch Marner to light the place on fire when he had his breakaway challenge. Kind of flubbed what was going on there. I, do you know what he was supposed to do on that breakaway? Because I don't think what happened was the initial. Uh, uh, plan there. Well, I, I said it when I don't know if you guys were watching when I had had to demonstrate the fastest skater. Did you guys see that? Yeah, yeah. When I skated around the ice, you guys remember what I said towards the end of it? Yeah, what you say? Half of it. I said half of it's how you look, America. Right before we went to commercial break. <laughs> so true. And I meant it. It does not matter what you do. Half of it's how you look. If you look good then it's going to be great reviews because the way I look, Mitch Marner was one of the best-looking guys in the All-Star. When he came out with the white suit, his skates were unbelievable. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I told him that he should be auctioning those skates off, and if I wasn't a hockey player, I can't be a super fan, but if I, if I was a fan, just a normal fan, I would go and buy those skates because I saw him close up and personal, and I told him, I said, Mitchie, like, why aren't you wearing these in games? You should be wearing these in games and auctioning them off because, you know, he's such an amazing talent and player. I think that, you know what, in the skills competition, you got to remember, it's tough, too, going back and forth with commercial breaks and coordinating things, especially skits like that. You know what I mean? Uh, but he, he surely looked good going in there. And the judges, I think the judges were just way too tough. The judges <laughs> were harsh. Yeah, they were. I was like, wow. They were very, very harsh. I think I had a bigger issue with the judges than what Mitch Marner did uh, during the uh, the skills competition. He looked he looked amazing in the suit. I love the fact that he brought that energy to it. So, and like I said, half of it's how you look. So he looked good. He did look good. I, I want to see like you brought I'm not it up. hitting on him. I'm not hitting on him by any means. I'm just saying he looked good. No, man, you get those nice white pants. Like, he was just all white. He was decked out. He was great. But to your point, we had talked about this last week when he brought out those skates in practice. And I said that would be, like, the NHL needs to capitalize on this. And maybe the way that NBA players have their sneaker deals, like, if the NHL players could somehow make that a thing, a way for, you know, guys to get more branding money and have those skates. Like you said, I'm sure there's a bunch of 10, 11-year-old kids who would have loved to get those skates as a birthday present, a Christmas present. Like, wow, I got the new Marner 2s or something, the Marner Toronto Skylines, something like that. Like, I feel like that is something that could definitely, uh, you know, just... I feel like that would work if the NHL could just do something like that. Well, here's here's what I'm thinking. You know, I I remember for the Winter Classic game in... uh, when we had played in 2016, I believe it was 2000, was it 2016? Yes. I played in the Winter Classic against uh, Boston at Gillette Stadium when I was playing for Montreal. And I had made a custom pair of skates based on um, the history and, and what skates looked like back then, like 100 years ago or 60, 70 years ago. And I custom made them with CCM and I went out and I played with them. And I did that for charity, but also because it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to play in a game like that. You want to create some type of memory. Anyway, we ended up going out and pumping them. And I remember 
it was like, like the energy around the skate was like, oh, like there goes PK. Like, why is he doing that? And it's like, we got to really get rid of that attitude in hockey. Completely like, it, agree. It's, yeah. it's, it's just, it's so annoying. Like, it's so annoying. It's counterproductive. Uh, you know what it's almost like? It's almost like that cool kid in school. Because he's cool, people just hate on him. Because he's doing his own thing, people just hate because they can't do it. Yeah. And it's just like, we gotta, we gotta, we got to uplift people in the game when they're trying to do things and they're trying to show their personality. And they, As long as they're good team guys and they're, 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 they're showing up to practice on time, they're committed to the team, you know, they're doing all of those things. Let them do what they want to do. If guys want to be creative with their equipment and create their own brand, and do, let them do it. As long as they're performing on the ice, and not even performing on the ice, as long as they're good people and they're good to their teammates and they're not doing anything, they're keeping their nose clean off the ice and not getting themselves into trouble, I don't see any issue with it. And I love the fact that's why I made it a point to go up to Mitch and talk to him about his skates because I'm like, dude, you should 100% do that because you're right. I mean, I would have loved to be able to take that skate and make it into a sneaker and be able to tell. Like, hockey needs to capitalize on and take some of that market um, because I don't, I don't understand why. Maybe somebody's not going to be able to go out and get the Mitch Marner skate, but what if it was a shoe? Like, yeah. what if it was a shoe that looked exactly like a skate? You might wear them. So, you know, I just, I don't know. I think that there's a whole market for hockey that I'm going to look back at, you know, 10 years from now and say, you know what, if I was playing in today's game, that maybe I would, but I'll be happy for the guys that are going to be benefiting off of it. And I hope I get to see that in my time. Yeah, it's so true. And you blazed the way for, for a lot of guys in the NHL who are able to show per, more personality now. Okay, PK, I know you got to fly, but I have to plug before you leave two rising media stars mm-hmm. in the Subban family. Reagan's killing it for us at TSN, and we were in Peterborough earlier she this is. week. Yeah, and uh, her and I were going out onto the ice, and she was announced on the way out as the most notable hockey player in her family. So you <laughs> caught a little bit of a chirp there. I, I do have to tell you. <laughs> Okay, well, you know what? Here's what I'll give Reagan. It might be the first time that I say that I'm not the best-looking Subban in hockey. That might be the first time I say that. You know what? That okay. is fair enough. Appreciate your time, hey, PK. You know what? Hold on. Hold on. I'm, he- I'm sure she hears that a lot because, you know, Reagan's beautiful, but she's done a remarkable job. We're, you know, we're very proud of the work that she's done. She loves the game of hockey. She was a hell of a hockey player. I don't know if anybody really knows that yep. about her. She could play the game. This is not, you know, this is not someone who doesn't know the game. She can play the game. And, you know, very close with, with our families. And obviously I know, you know our brothers and my cousins. So this is family for me. So we're, we're very, very proud of, of where she's going within the game and, and the work that she's done so far. So um, kudos to Reagan and keep it going. I love it. Absolutely. Well, we really appreciate taking the time, PK. Uh, hopefully we can catch up again down the road. There's so much more storytelling that I'm sure we could get through if we can get you on again uh, at some point. But we appreciate the time, and uh, good luck with the Craft Hockeyville initiative, and uh, good luck the rest of the way. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Appreciate it. There he goes. PK Subban, former NHLer, and um, 
doing an initiative with Craft Hockeyville. Uh, nominations for this year's Craft Hockeyville now open until February 19th. The 2023 grand prize winner will receive a $250,000 for arena upgrades, a chance to host an NHL preseason game and win the coveted title of Craft Hockeyville. For more information and to nominate a community, visit crafthockeyville.ca. Uh, Love that guy. That was awesome. That was great. The the only in the GTHL could you trade an oh eight my year God, old? I know. My jaw was on the floor when he said yeah, that. I got traded. It's like, but it's so eight. Toronto. It's so Toronto. Eight. He gets traded. Yeah. And then there's money on the board. It's like, hey, buds, your former team's here. You got people out. You got to go out and perform. I heard the Hughes brothers say one time that their grandfather told them hardest league to play in in the world. GTHL. <laughs> like, there's messaging boards, parents ripping other kids, it's, it's <laughs> other wild. kids it's, apart. She's crazy. It's actually wild. Uh, we got Chris Johnston coming up on the other side. Kyle Dubas spoke with the media yesterday. I'm sure we'll get into a lot of that with him. Luca Celebre going to join us also in the one o'clock hour. I'm Mike DiStefano with Julia Tashiri. Listen to Least Lunch here on TSN 1050. will get you out of your car lease today. It's as easy as pie, a piece of cake, avoid penalties, and early termination fees. Visit leasebusters.com. Julie Tajeri and Mike DeStefano with you on this Friday. We just had PK Subban on for a chat. Chris Johnson will join us in the next moment or so here. Luca Celebre a little bit later as we continue our little Super Bowl party here on, on Leafs Lunch. We've got the Riri rocking all day. Um, and it's it's been a great one. I can tell you have something to say. Like, yeah, I well, tell, I'm just like, about? Rihanna, it was just funny. Like, I was just, what's your favorite? Like, I hope. I have no idea, she but I. Th- opens with Run This Town. Like, that needs to. Happen. That feels like such a Super Bowl song. And I also saw a funny video or tweet. I don't know if it was on TikTok or whatever. I saw it on last night that was like, Rihanna could start her her Super Bowl set with any variation of the noises, like, na, na, na. Or Mama Ma, or like there's a whole bunch of her na, songs na, na, to start with, like, yeah, or it could start with Na Na Na. Right. Uh, so Good. it could just be like one little noise that that'll make the crowd go crazy. God bless Rihanna and her power. And uh, with that, let's bring in TSN hockey insider Chris Johnson and all of his many insider powers. CJ, how you doing this Friday? I'm well, although I am confused that our, our normal lunch date got moved back. I can't figure out why that would be. I know. We had this yeah. guy on PK. Pretty cool dude. He he told us a story, CJ, about we were talking about minor hockey and all of the fun he had at the GTHL. And he told us one so, so quintessential Toronto story, so quintessentially GTHL, about being traded at eight years old from, from one team to another. So we did have to get the full trade details from him before we can get you on. Wow, PK needed a no-trade clause when he was eight. Yeah, yeah, he did. He did. <laughs> it's hilarious. Uh, RTS Hockey Insider, Chris Johnson with us right now. And, and Chris, Dubas spoke to the media yesterday. He, he, he didn't say much. A lot of legalese, which was kind of expected. He wasn't going to show his whole head and ahead of the trade deadline. But what did you take away mostly from his little chat? Was it the fact that it didn't sound like he's overly into the idea of all the big fish rentals, the the O'Reilly's and the Canes of the world? Yeah, I think he was very honest um, and direct about what he's thinking. And, you know, my takeaway was that he, he basically shut down any of that speculation that might attach the Leafs to those top names. Now, I suppose something could change. Maybe the market shifts. Maybe 
you know, one or more of the, the shinier toys, we'll call them on, on the, you know, that are deadline chips, you know, maybe the, the prices drop and it, it changes something for the Leafs. But at this point in time, it certainly doesn't sound like we need to be talking about Timu Meyer or Patrick Kane or, you know, some of the, the big names you'd find if you, if you went to TSN's trade bait list uh, in the Toronto's plans because they just simply don't want to surrender the, the future capital, be it, you know, a top prospect like Matthew Nyes or, or one of their first-round picks to get in that kind of bidding. And, and, you know, I thought Kyle, you know, was pretty clear about that. It didn't seem like there was, there was no deception. I think, I think that's how he thinks. And, and I, and that's, you know, basically what he said to the media yesterday. So what names are you circling then? Like TSN's trade bait board 2.0 came out today. Is there anyone on that board that you look and say, okay, that might be something that Kyle Dubas, the Maple Leafs might be able to go out and get. And did you get a sense of whether or not he's leaning one way or the other when it comes to, uh, tackling the defense or tackling a, a top six forward. Yeah, I didn't get that sense based on his comments yesterday. I think you know he was clear that that they're looking to do both. I think ultimately when it gets to March fourth, and you know if we were to chat that day, we'll be talking about at least one addition at each position. Um, you know, granted that that might be smaller additions. Not that, you know, I'm not saying someone that's going to be grafted onto the second line immediately or anything like that. Um, you know, but it, it it seems to me that that he's bargain shopping and it re- reminds me a little bit of last year i mean you know ben Sherratt, that trade to florida went down ahead of the deadline you know florida paid a first round pick for a rental you know you see tarasenko go yesterday and that's a first round pick plus for a rental player you know going from the rangers to the blues and you know dubas swooped in towards the end and, and got giordano and colin blackwell for a couple second rounders I, I think that you know depending how the market evolves i, I think that there's not one specific target for the Leafs. I think it's more let some of the, the, the teams that are really going to spend, let a Timo Meyer come off the market and, you know, whichever team, whether it's New Jersey or Carolina, um, you know, trades for him and then, and then see where it's at with everything else. Because, you know, I still think ultimately this will be a buyer's market. I, I don't see that many teams out there with enough cap space and, and, you know, the willingness to give up a lot of pieces. Obviously there's a couple teams in that boat, but, um, you know, I think that the Leafs are going to just see how things go and then pivot uh, when, when it gets closer to March 3rd. Weirdly, though, it also seemed like he's willing to see what he's got with some of these younger guys who have come up, the Bobby McMahons, the Holmbergs, and uh, Alex Steves has brought up. He'll play in this game this weekend as well. You know, one of the other things that I pulled out from the chat yesterday that Dubas had was he wanted to see what those guys could bring. And I believe that there will be, at some point, they'll add something there that to also compete with those guys. But is there anyone who you look at of those AHL call-ups and say, hmm, maybe he might be able to factor into a playoff roster? Well, I'd say Pontus Holmberg has the inside track now. You know, he's played the most games among the, the, the players we might, you know, put in that class. I think that, you know, Sheldon Keefe has been quite complimentary of, of you know, the, the faith he has in a young player defensively, which... You know, we're talking, you know, bottom six roles here. You know, those those are players, when you get to a big playoff game, you, you just can't have them being scored on in a, in a big moment. I mean, obviously, if they could chip in a big goal, that that's that uh, would be really nice. But I, I think, really, you're, you're trying to play those minutes at even. And if you're the Leafs, you're betting that your top six is going to outperform the other team's top six. I think it's a reasonable way to look at things uh, with Toronto's talent. Uh, so I, I think Holmberg's the most likely to play a playoff game. But... You know, what I took away, too, is, look, there's, there, we know if, if the Leafs play enough playoff games, there's going to be injuries. Uh, maybe there's going to be some, some performance issues. Like I, I, they have not been afraid to cycle a lot of people through this lineup. They, you know, the last I saw, they, they played the second most total number of players 
of any team in the league this year, and partly that's driven by injuries, but I think they've also wanted to to give guys a look. Remember, they called SDA up earlier in the year, too. Um, and so, you know, if there's a benefit to this this playoff format and where they're, they're kind of locked into their spot, so to speak, or, or reasonably locked in, I, I think that they can experiment. And obviously at some point, Matthew Nyes, we would expect when a season's done at the University of Minnesota will sign. I think they're going to try more players there and, and see who fits. And so if we look in the here and now, there's a big opportunity for Alex Steves because he, um, you know, he's, he's the guy that's going to get in the lineup. And if, if he performs well, I think they've shown that they're willing to keep running with you. Yeah, Kyle Dubas, a true millennial king of a GM with his upcycling and his thrifting and his reclamation projects uh, with our TSN <laughs> Hockey Insider Chris Johnston right now. News dump day yesterday in Leafs Nation, CJ. Timmons got an extension. Were you surprised at all to see it in season? I know you had hinted at it uh, not too long ago on insider trading. Do you expect any of the other Leaf UFAs to sign in season? I don't expect anyone to sign in season. That could change with a phone call. I mean, we know someone like Michael Bunting wants to stay in Toronto. He's a pending UFA. I don't sense there's been anything real in terms of negotiations with him. Do you know what, uh, what, it, what, it, what it might look like there in terms of Michael Bunting? I don't because... Eight the years. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think what makes most sense, honestly, is a long-term deal because... That's a way for the Leafs to keep the cap hit down. I think for Michael Bunting, let's remember, you know, played 300 or 400 AHL games in his career. He, you know, he, he, that kind of security would be huge for him. And I think staying at home, like, like I think, I think there's a pathway to a deal there that's, that can work for both sides if they get to down to business. But again, unless it's happened totally in a secret, I, it, I don't think that they've really negotiated at all. I don't think they've exchanged numbers. Uh, and so this is, you know, it's hard to get a read on where exactly that goes. Um, you know, I think the Leafs want to see what, what all these players do. I don't just mean that for Michael Bunting. I think, you know, for them, they have a huge amount of cap flexibility heading into next summer. I mean, you just, just go to your favorite uh, cap site and, and scroll. I mean, that's eight or nine or ten UFAs, depending on which players, how deep you want to count, you know, current Leafs um, that, that could be walked out the door. You know, Timmons is a different situation. He was an RFA for one. And, you know, he's, he's finally started to kind of establish himself in Toronto. You know, it seems to me at minimum, he's a pretty clear replacement longer term for someone like Justin Hall, who's another one of the UFAs, uh, right shot defenseman. And, and, you know, they locked him in at a number below what Hall's been being paid. So, you know, if, if that ends up, uh, being the case, then, you know, I think it's, it's good business for him. But no, I, I can't say that I've detected any whiffs of, of serious negotiations with any other guys. And so, Let's see how the season unfolds because, you know, there's, there's so much riding, not just on these last 30 games in the regular season, but what happens in the playoffs for, you know, people at all all levels of the organization. Yeah, absolutely. The, the Timmons ones is kind of interesting, though, just because you look at right now with everyone healthy, kind of on the outside looking in, like, don't you think at some point they got to start filtering guys in and out almost like a rotation like they had last year with Dermot and, you know, they had guys kind of coming out, but I, you don't really want to – mess with the six that are there. I mean, how do you get Timmons some ice time here if everyone's healthy? It's a great question. You know, I, I asked Sheldon Keith that maybe two or three weeks ago anyway, but at some point before the All-Star break, and he was sort of saying what you said, is I, I don't think he wants to mess too much. I mean, obviously, maybe in, in, in a situation like this where they have back-to-back games, there might be an opportunity to, to swap, you know, Timmons in for one of those games uh, and, and take someone out. But, yeah, it's it's a little bit delicate when they're fully healthy. Of course, this year, Full health hasn't been something the least blue lines enjoyed too often. And so, you know, it's been somewhat moot to this point. But 
you know, I, I really think the Timmons signing is about the next couple seasons more than this year. I mean, he's he's clearly not in the top six. I think we're talking about them potentially uh, bringing in another D, I mean, the, the, which would presumably knock him down even further in terms of the depth chart for the moment. But, you know, they like what they've seen in the, the 20-odd games he's played so far. Uh, he's put up some points, um, you know, been used in some high-leverage situations. You know, a couple nights didn't go his way, but I think that that's, to be expected given his experience level and some of the injuries he's, he's coming back from. And so this is this is about long-term security where I think Connor Timmons doesn't have to worry about his performance night in and night out and what it might mean. It's it's saying to him, look, you're a big part of our future. Stick with it and be ready to, to be called upon when you're ready. Let's go around the league a little bit at some of the big names that are looming around the trade deadline. And, and Patrick Kane was the guy coming into the season that was obviously the biggest name on, on the trade bait board. But but yesterday's trade with Tarasenko kind of told us in the tea leaves that, uh, I don't know, maybe something about Patrick Kane's health. Like, where are we at right now with the Patrick Kane sweepstakes and how much is his health factoring into it? Well, I know for a fact the Rangers, you know, were interested to a degree in Patrick Kane as they were with Timo Meyer, and they were nervous. Um, they were nervous about the, the hip injury that Patrick Kane's dealing with. And, and, you know, I think also about the potential cost to acquire him. Obviously, he has a bigger cap hit than Tarasenko. So for, you know, the combination of those reasons, it's not just one. They ended up, you know, making the move on Tarasenko instead now. And, you know, I do wonder where it leaves Kane. Um, I don't think it's by any means a foregone conclusion that, that he'll be dealt uh, by March 3rd. But, you know, the power still is in his hands. And, and you know, I, I'm not privy to exactly what he's thinking in each moment. But, you know, in the next week or so, I think he's going to have to, you know, give the the Blackhawks and management, you know, a clear indication of if he's willing to move, if that's the case, where he might move, and then they really have to engage with the potential teams. You know, I, I, the, the only dark horse here I wonder about is, is the Vegas Golden Knights. Mm. Um, Mark Always in the weeds. Yeah, with with the Mark Stone news over the All-Star break, you know, it, it looks like they have cap space we wouldn't have projected for them, you know, entering this deadline. It's not to say it has to go to Patrick Kane and, you know, Timo Meyer. I think that they, they could be a bit of a dark horse candidate on Meyer as well, um, you know, with that, that new cap room that they've, you know, unfortunately found with their captain out injured again with a, a back injury again for the second straight season. So, you know, I don't know what Patrick Kane thinks about that, but maybe, I guess my point is maybe a team could, could come up. Maybe there's another contender that gets an injury between now and the deadline that isn't really on our radar and might, you know, change Patrick Kane's mind or, or give him something to think about. But, you know, certainly the Rangers were believed to be, you know, a, a preferred destination for him if he was going to think about leaving Chicago, and that, that now appears to be uh, not the cards. In conversation with Chris Johnson, our TSN Hockey uh, Insider, and uh, as you know, the, the trade bait board came out, and I think Luke Shen was, uh, was, was a name out there that a lot of Leaf fans are, are curious about, potentially a reuniting with Luke Shen, um, but I, I think I saw he left the game a couple days ago, didn't play last night against the Islanders. Is there a situation there where maybe Luke Shen doesn't get, uh, get dealt? Like, what's the, the latest on Shen? Well, there's a couple of situations. I think, for one, Rick Tockett and Adam Foote, you know, the new head coach and assistant coach, are, are, are big fans of Luke Shen and, and, you know, wouldn't maybe mind from the coaching side of things keeping him around and maybe even looking at an extension with him. I think he would certainly be open to talking about staying in Vancouver beyond just a season. Um, you know, he spends his off-seasons in Kelowna, and, and you know, it's, it's a comfortable situation for his family. Um, yeah, as, as for the injury, I, I don't have any reason to believe it's serious. I think it's more precautionary than anything. And, 
you know, it really seems like the Canucks are going to play this out and see where, what the offers are. I, I don't get the sense that it's like we have to trade him for whatever the best offer is, even if it's a crappy offer. I think, you know, if someone comes in with a strong offer, they'll they'll look at it. Uh, but if not, you know, maybe maybe they pivot and, and resign Shad. I think he's truly what I might call a swing player, you know, at this deadline. You know, if you go down that trade bait list, I mean, when you, when you see, you know, Gavrikov in Columbus to pick a player, well, I would say to you he's being traded. It's, there's not a scenario I, I would see him still being in Columbus, whereas with Shen, um, you know, teams like him, but, but he's a depth option, obviously, and I don't think someone's coming up with a first-rounder or a second-rounder for him. And so the Canucks will have to make a, make a decision when they see what the best offer is. The Canucks always do this, though. Like, they literally <laughs> always do this. I remember this is eerily similar to the Dan Hamhuis situation a couple of years ago, is it not? It's funny you mentioned that. I remembered that. Was it like, did they kind of say that the best offer was like a fifth-round pick at the time or something for Hamhuis or something like that? But, yeah, they ended up holding on to him. I remember that. Yeah, and that didn't go over very well in that market. And it would be interesting to see if Luke Shen sticks around, how that's going to go over uh, in that market. Um, speaking of markets out in Western Canada, I'm sure the Calgary market is not particularly happy with how things have been going lately for them. What do you think their vision is for the upcoming NHL trade deadline? I really do think they're kind of caught between two ideas now. I mean, look, th- this is meant to be a year that they're supposed to be competitive. They have been competitive, just not, not to the level that they would have expected entering the season. Um, and, you know, they've, they've been looking for help up front. I, I think Bradshaw Living has wanted to, to add another, you know, semi-impactful forward if, if he could all year long, wasn't able to do that. You know, unfortunately, they haven't had Oliver Shillington this year. You know, he's been out with a, sort of a personal issue that, that they haven't gone into. So, um, you know, I could see them trying to add a defenseman. I certainly don't see them becoming sellers. I, I guess the question is how aggressive are they in buying uh, as, as the deadline gets closer? And, and they're in a funny spot because as we're talking now, you know, they're technically just on the outside of the wild card race, you know, that wouldn't be in the playoffs today. But they're also only eight points from the top of the division. And, you know, Vegas is, is the team right now at the top of the division. Vegas just suffered another injury to their goaltender, Logan Thompson. Yeah. They mentioned Mark Stone is out. I mean, they've had really, really tough injury news constantly in Vegas this year. And so if you're the Flames, even as, as much as this season hasn't gone the way you like, like I, I don't think you can write off the team's potential. And so you know, I, I, I do believe when push comes to shove, they'll be adding. I just, I not not clear to me how aggressively they'll be, they'll be in the mix. I mean, maybe they're, going for what we'll call the second tier forwards, you know, someone like a James Van Riemsdyk, for example, or, you know, maybe not again, the, the, the players that, that are, you know, sucking up most of the oxygen in conversation right now. But, you know, I think that, that they'll look to add there and, and, you know, obviously missing the playoffs would be a massive disappointment after the off season they had. Uh, appreciate the time as always, CJ. Uh, we got what, three weeks to the deadline today. Two weeks next time we chat. 21 days? Maybe? So we'll see exactly. That's, yeah, three weeks, it's 21 wild. days. Right. Yes. <laughs> it, it is. It's going to be insane, actually. And then you'll be on air for like 14 hours, as everybody always is on those days. But at least it's a Friday, and you'll be able to go and have yourself a nice cold one afterwards and celebrate. So three more weeks uh, and counting until that day. But really appreciate it, as always, pal. We'll chat again next week. Yeah, lose my phone number as of March 4th for a couple of days. <laughs> I could just like go, and go into a cave, maybe go somewhere warm or something. All right, I promise we won't chat with you until March 10th after that Perfect. day. Promise. Perfect. I should be recovered by then. All right. <laughs> Enjoy your weekend, buddy. Yeah, you too. See you guys. There he goes. Chris Johnson, our TSN hockey insider.
Yeah, can't uh, that like those are such long days, such long days for those guys. Oh my gosh, yeah, I know, and especially for guys who like aren't privy to waking up at five six a.m. Well, generally. Deadline in particular though is so much worse than free agent frenzy because like everyone knows free agent frenzy. Okay, everything's gonna happen at noon. So, like, yeah. Everybody, the trade deadline, they're up at like 8 a.m. Way sorry, worse sorry, than sorry, that. Sorry. Yeah. They're in studio on air by 8 a.m. They're in like Carlo AK territory. They're in their car by probably 6 a.m. <laughs> to make sure that they get here, <laughs> make up all the jazz, and then they're here until like yeah. 6, 7 p.m. Like it's a 12 hour day for those guys. Yeah. I've been, I've become way less of a, I used to be a good morning person for an era of my life like i used to be pretty good at bumping up at six seven eight like not eight not but me. since working in hockey like it's gone back hours now i stay up till the wee hours of the night and i am up at like what's well, it like 8 30 you, you know you, you got mcdavid playing you're like i know I what am i West supposed Coast to do bit, right 2 a.m and i'm drooling on the couch over dry all. like it you, is what it is did you watch that tampa game last night yeah i wasn't drooling over much in that one no, for... that's that's yeah, that macar injury stinks man yeah like that that's gonna suck and it's that's such just a, that's a generator for that team. Oh my gosh, I know. Yeah, it was kind of disappointing that it was the the rematch of the Stanley Cup final. It didn't provide much of a much of a fun thrill to anyone. Yeah, but, mm, they lost okay. five nothing for those who didn't uh, who didn't watch it. Tampa won five nothing, which not great for the Maple Leafs. That's you don't want to see Tampa picking up points. Obviously, they had a little bit of a speed bump coming out, but of course, the second everyone says, "Oh, is something wrong with Tampa," they say, uh, "No, nah, we're all good." Yeah. Rattle off a five nothing win over the. Defending Stanley Cup champions. Only team in the I think league okay. that hasn't lost three in a row yet this year. Gosh darn Tampa. Right, because Boston lost three in a row. Yeah. And then they that's it, though. Like, <laughs> They're done like, with we're, losing We're now. not going to lose again for the rest of the season, especially on home ice. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. All right, why don't we take a break? Um, let's get into some of this audio from yesterday. Kyle Dubas spoke with the media. Uh, a couple things that we kind of picked out from it. We'll play that and uh, chat about it a little bit. On Twitter, we asked for some trade proposals. And we're going to kind of break them down and we're going to grade them in the one o'clock hour. So go check out the Twitter at, uh, at uh, Leafs Lunch 1050 and let us know what trades you want the Maple Leafs to make. And we'll, we'll take a look at them in the next hour. Also, Luca Celebre down in Phoenix for Super Bowl week. We'll see what he's up to as well. I'm Mike DiStefano with Julia Tashiri. Listen to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. This is Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Can't necessarily say no to anything right off the right off the hop. Having said that, there are some players and some uh, draft pick capital that we have that are extremely valuable that we that would be hard pressed to to move on from. Lease lunch is brought to you by Vanilla Visa prepaid cards available for purchase at Petro Canada. The perfect gift for any occasion for your chance to win a one hundred dollar Vanilla Visa prepaid card. Text the keyword lunch and your name to ten fifty fifty. Standard text message rates. Apply. I need rude boy out of the next break, okay? Let's get some rude boy. Okay, That's okay. What I want next. I likey likey. Did you hear uh, Duthie on Jay last night talking about that? Yes. Jay's been asking everybody. It who felt was like on two yesterday. of my favorite uncles having that conversation. I don't know why. I was actually really intrigued. They showed him eating his quesadilla. <laughs> he ate that thing like a monster. <laughs> like it was just really awkward how he ate that quesadilla. If I dipped it in the guac and just like inhaled it was really bizarre but so, i was intrigued i'm gonna lie eating is one of those things that when i have to do in in front of people i forget actually how to do it properly 
What? <laughs> I hate eating in front of people. Like, what time? If, if it was me and there was a camera in my face eating, like, I, I don't know what I would have done. So I can't talk any smack about it. Like, I, I know how to eat on a day-to-day basis. I'm a grown adult. I would hope. I would I, hope I get, you figured I, it I out. I get my you're life what? around, but you know, I'm, I'm a grown adult. I get around. I, I should be able to eat. But if, if you're in my face, I'm in front of people, and i got to eat in front of them. I'll have something on my lap. I'll have something on my mouth. Like, I, it's so humiliating. <laughs> I get overwhelmed, baby. So I understand him from that perspective. That's funny. Um, so yesterday, Kyle Dubas spoke to the media for the first time in a little while. Gave us a little preview into what he's thinking ahead of the uh, NHL trade deadline, which is three weeks from today. Uh, why don't we hear some of the things that he was talking about? Um, why don't we play this clip about Dubis? Is he kind of talking about how he's probably going to be doing something a little smaller? Like we've referenced this talking with CJ, where maybe the big fish are, are a little off off the table. I would say potentially, uh-huh. and this is kind of why we're thinking that. This is what Dubis had to say yesterday on the matter. Whatever way we can improve the team, um, we'll, we'll look to do that. I think uh, with the exception of, of goaltender, uh, you know, if up front and on D, if there's a way that we can improve the team and give ourselves a better chance to uh, um, to make a run at it, then, then we'll do that. Uh, some of it, I think the larger focus is always on the, the bigger names, but we have to look at the, the people who may improve us overall and not just the, the big names per se. So it sounds like he's in, he's trying to brace Leafs Nation for when they don't go and get themselves Ryan O'Reilly. Right. Or if they don't get themselves a Patrick Kane. Or if they don't go and get Jacob Chikrin. Or, well, I guess Chikrin will be a different story since there's term on that deal. But maybe like a Gavrikov. Yeah, he's talking specifically rentals Rentals, there. yeah. So and, and like those are the names that a lot of people are looking to go and get, right? Like you want, you want the excitement. You want the big fish hunting for your yeah. team, right? Because we've talked about like how... They've kind of done this at the deadline. They've never gone for that big fish at the deadline. Felino was probably the splashiest thing they've done, and it didn't work out as a result of the injury. I know yeah. Muzzin and Campbell. Did they get traded like ahead of the de- deadline, though? Uh, like slightly, yeah. Okay, but still counts. Like that was pretty splashy as well at the time. But in terms of big game hunting, we've had this conversation with a couple of people. In terms of doing something like that, just inspiring the room and knowing that you have the full, like, okay, boys, you've done everything you yeah. can do out there. Here's a little help. Go get it. Yeah, like the Phoenix Suns went and traded for <laughs> Kevin yeah. Durant. The but, other day. but then Frankie on first up this morning also made a really good point in saying that this is JT's room, this is Mitch's room, this is Austin and Willie's room. This is their room. Yeah, you got to be careful with the personalities you bring in. So I was I was conscious of, of Frankie, a guy who's been in those rooms, making that point today. Too. Yeah, and and it's it's like, definitely valid. But I, I, for me, I think when I look at this team, like they have the top end talent. Like I'll take Toronto's core four guys, and then pit them up against any other core four team there is. And, and like take the the top four guys in Tampa, take the top four guys in Colorado, whatever team, Boston. Like I'll put those four guys up against them, and, and feel pretty confident that they could put up as much production. It's, it's the depth that I think is the question mark for this club. So it makes sense not to necessarily go big fish hunting. Now what that could do is you go and you get yourself a second line or a top six guy, and all of a sudden now Yarncroc, instead of being on your second line, is on your third line. And then you push whoever's on your third line down to your fourth line. And internally, you can kind of get the depth that way and build it up that way. And in the way that Boston did that with Krejci, yeah. moving Coyle down to the third line, and then he, you know, the third liner moved down to the fourth line. So that could be done that way, but also if you just bolster what's going on on your third and fourth line and you try and just add those depth players that are meant for those roles, I think that could be equally beneficial. I don't think this team needs to go and add a Timo Meyer or a Patrick Kane 
Like yeah. O'Reilly would be nice. Like the, I think that he could add a big oomph to the third line and really build out your center depth. But ultimately, I think that this team, it sounds as though they're looking to add to the peripherals as opposed to making a big splash at the deadline. Yeah. Like, how do you feel about that? Are you cool with it? I don't mind it. Like, I, if we've they're ta- had this conversation with a lot of people. Like, we, we talked have. about it with DSP, with Craig, with like their, their top four, to your point, their top five. I don't know. They're missing a piece on that left side that, that I would love for them yes. to have in the top six. But up top, you're right. They can go up against anybody, but it's in the depth where a lot of the battles yeah. come down to in the postseason that worries me. Yeah, and they're hoping that some of those guys can come in through the minors, the AHL, and and you know maybe we can play some of that audio on the other side, but Dubas talked about wanting to give those guys a look over the course of the next three weeks before you know they really make their, their final deadline plans. So we'll see uh, we'll see what happens. There's a game tonight. We'll get a chance to see one of those guys, Alex Deeds. Actually, Pontus Holmberg will yeah. also be in the lineup, and Joey Anderson. So three of those. The dudes! Three of your All dudes, the dudes in! They'll be in, uh, in action tonight. Uh, let's continue to tee up that game on the other side. I haven't had a chance to break it down. It's the first game in like nine days. Let's get to it on the other side. Uh, We also have Luca Chalabra. He's going to join us from Phoenix. He's down there for Super Bowl week. We'll see what's going on down there. I'm Mike DiStefano with Julia Tasheri. Leafs Lunch continues here on TSN 1050.